Have you ever tasted a ghost before? Well, the closest you will ever come to savor one is if you sit down on your own, put a bottle of wine on the table, read the label like it's tombstone, pull out the cork to set the ghost free, lure some of it into a clear glass where it feels relaxed again, and look at its tears on the side to understand its sacrifices. Take a deep breath to smell its dreams and desires, take a good sip to let it become a part of you forever, and listen to its whispers to understand its true story. As a sommelier, my duty as well as my pleasure is to translate these whispers to all of you wine lovers. And this is what this podcast series is about, the whispers. everyone i hope everyone is doing well i record this podcast on the 1st of april 2020 so the situation is uh, well known to everyone and i hope you are doing well and clear your cellar maybe you can go to the wine ghost instagram and uh, look at my videos how we clean our cellar and cook something with it but that's just another story but now the second blind tasting episode um this is around Sauvignon Blanc. It's a very well-known international variety which may have originated in, in France, in, in Bordeaux or in the Loire, but uh, for sure it's a French variety. Um, in general it's a very acidity, acidity-driven variety, so it usually has higher elevated acidity. It's an early ripening variety, very aromatic. So it's almost desires a cooler climate. And um, methoxypyrazine, it's a very uh, unique uh, character in the grapes. And the jalapeno, freshly cut grass, and these green aromas are very well and very much associated with this variety, thanks to the methoxypyrazine, actually. Uh, this is a molecule or an aroma compound. It's not unique to this grape variety, but mostly associated uh, with the Bordeaux varieties. So, for example, Cabernet Franc and, and so on. Mm, but it's very versatile in style and one of the most planted grape varieties in the planet Earth. So, you probably have heard of it. So, you find with or without malolactic fermentation, barrel fermentation, reductive style sparkling you find all of these on, on the market with Sauvignon Blanc might have written on the black label it really has a great spectrum of aromas depending on the terroir but in general from more cooler climate bubbles you can expect uh, a little bit more tartness and savoriness and also aromas of yeah, asparagus, gooseberries, citrus, lime, uh, grapefruit, apricot, apple, maracuya, mango so this Tropical fruits, also exotic fruits, quince, maybe also orange blossom, and from the spices, maybe basil or dill. Um, typically, it has a very pronounced acidic structure, which I already mentioned. So, always, almost always have high acidity. Mm. And in my experience, it really pricks in, inside your mouth like a bomb, like an acidity bomb. And, really rough on the edges, so to say, in your mouth. And um, the acidity could very well like stand separately in your mouth. So it's very pronounced and very accentuated. Maybe even on the top of your mouth, on the, on the edges, it usually lacks integration maybe. 
And some words about the famous regions. So I already mentioned Loire and Bordeaux, but um, yeah, maybe Sancerre is uh, maybe the most well-known from, uh, from Europe, uh, from the old world. It's um, usually really crispy, like really like if you would have a bite in a, in a slightly underripe green apple in the summer or something like this. But that's at least my experience, but it's a very complex wine and um, has a lot of layers. So it's, so it's really just a broad generalization or in my experience, particularly really um, young Sancerres. But for example, there is also Polyfumé, which tends to be, yeah, I reuse the word flinty or minerally, but it, we already know that these aromas are coming from the yeast interaction or from uh, sulfur compounds really not really from the soil but fully for me maybe tends to be more um, like green fruit it's a more gooseberry and maybe kiwi as opposed to floral notes so that's uh, that's only my experience but um yeah that's a Cleonian. it's also a very um yeah well-known region for sauvignon blanc it's in bordeaux uh, they tend to use more oak maybe and um, you can also find like blends with semillon that's another french uh, white grape variety and that maybe adds more texture and more body to the wine and also like in bordeaux blended with semillon or mostly in grave and uh, or maybe in um, they usually experience more microoxidation from the oak aging and often get the smoky, like maybe roasted character, like baked grapefruit or, or baked um, really smoked exotic fruits or smoked fruits. So this winemaking method uh, turns these wines into a perfect friend to griddled and grilled food, maybe. But I recently recorded a podcast with uh, Tament, with Armin Tament, and he's in my eyes, one of the best winemakers or winery talent is one of the best examples of Sauvignon Blanc in the world and actually one of the best wineries. And Styria has really yeah, built up a, a reputation in the, in the recent years for making world-class Sauvignon Blancs. So Styria always get this mountain fresh air character and um, very high urinals. Um, very varied soil and more of a cool climate character but you will hear more about this from Armin in the in the next podcast in the weekend actually so and of course we have to talk about the new world so New Zealand uh, yeah you may all have uh, had New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc mostly from Marlboro that's on the South Island on the non northern part of the South Island that's a more perfumed and more tropical fruits like guava, grapefruit, lime, so really on the, the tropical, exotic fruit uh, side. Chile, well, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't really had too much chili on Sauvignon Blanc, but what I had, or I just looked at my older notes, uh, more herbaceous notes came, came actually about in my notes, but that, but that was maybe the only common uh, descriptors I use for these wines. Um, to talk about blind tasting, I think <laughs> all of the sommelier curriculums uh, talk a lot about Sauvignon Blanc and teaches a lot about Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, and in blind tastings, I, I find this variety as one of the most easily identifiable one, actually. And people usually get this 
descriptor always, which is not my favorite. And to be honest, I haven't <laughs> smelled it deliberately yet. A cat pee smell. And then they shout the word proudly that Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, congratulations, you are right. But I think a far more interesting approach is to find out terroir where this wine comes from and the winemaking method that led um, to the ghost in the glass. But don't forget, wine is food, but uh, thereby also a source of everyday pleasure. So you don't have to be too technical about Sauvignon Blancs or just maybe learn how to enjoy it and why do you enjoy it and how to pick a Sauvignon Blanc from the shelf because you may have encountered 30 Sauvignon Blancs in a wine store, but you don't have any idea why do you like this one and why don't you like the other one. So, so and I picked two wines today, one from Hungary and one from Styria from uh, Austria. The first one is from Robert Gilvesi, the Gilvesi Winery. I already did a podcast with him in the past and I really much like his wines because these are very elegant, crisp, precise white wines and a good uh, example of a Sauvignon Blanc, I think, from Hungary. And the Gilvesi vineyards are also organically cultivated, hand-picked grapes, um, spontaneous fermentation and um, the wine I got is aged in 100 liter used oak barrels in Hungarian oak barrels then aged on a fine leaf so I expect more body more complexity not maybe not only fruit driven but a bit more complexity subtly oaky but still an elegant maybe some delicious green notes but more on the riper side maybe also some exotic fruit so we see but also minerality and salinity and and that's actually a crew selected, a single vineyard wine. Mogyorós is the name of the vineyard. And Mogyorós is a vineyard on, on the north side of St. George, which is an extinct volcano. And Sauvignon Blanc really favors the slightly cooler northern side of the hill. So the soil is a bit looser there than on the south side. Slightly sandy with small, um, small to medium-sized basalt and, and tough. Uh, pieces and the other wine is come it's coming from the supermarket actually Rauch is the, the producer the winery lies on 360 meter above sea level so it's a bit higher maybe than the St. George Hill uh, Mount Perderstorf the St. Peter am Ottersbach is the, is the place fermented in stainless steel and hasn't seen any oak I didn't want to look at the technical sheet so it may have been a bit harder or more difficult for me but yeah let's see let's see what happens so my girlfriend poured me these two classes of wine so I I try to give a quick analysis and a quick tip like uh, Sam style so to say so as in the uh, last uh, wine testing episode I don't really want to use too many descriptors if you are not in an exam situation that's not necessary it's more like you apply your knowledge and your gut feeling to what's in the glass and um, like texture wise, acidity wise and aroma profile whether it's warmer or cooler, greener or more yellow what kind of spices, what kind of herbs so what what is in your glass and not fruit aromas and what kind of if you get this aroma compounds like tiles, methoxypyridine or whatever you get in the wine so that should lead you in the blind testing so that's how we should listen to this couple of minutes, I think. So let's start. So the first glass. So at the loop, 
just comparing the two, the first one has more yellow reflexes and more on the silvery yellow golden side and, and the second one has more green reflexes and more pale actually. So that already gives me a hint that maybe the first one has seen any um, bit of oak. Um, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I get this minerally uh, note already. Maybe a bit of closeness or a hint of oakiness, like an, a hint of oxidation. So it's not bursting freshness, it doesn't spring in you, into your nose. Needs a bit of oxidation, but you know, the bottles were just open, so so some air could be also good for the wine, maybe. Okay, it's more on the yeah, on the um, like a, a riper apricot, maybe or pineapple, but not too much ripe. It's really elegant, but I get some exotic fruit, maybe, but not the typical um, green Sauvignon Blanc flavor. It's more like a like a metallic smell, okay, irony. It's oxidized, it's very complex, so maybe I try it already. Oh, okay. Hmm. I actually get this <laughs> salinity, which I know from these wines. So I think I already know uh, that it's, it's the Gilbashi, but I describe a wine a bit in more detail and why, and why I think this my instinct was. So it has really like... Um, a lot of times they say it's a flintiness or minerality, but um, I like to say it's a more like a metallic, well-integrated acidity, which drives you to take another sip. And uh, your saliva starts uh, to work, and it's like a medicine, maybe, but it's very elegant, well-measured, well-done, and very long finish, so I still get the flavors and um, maybe not in the first part of, of my mouth but it's it's developing it's now it's getting more like yeah i don't really like to use these descriptors but stony and because i don't really get these gooseberries bad bell peppers and cut grass aromas but maybe only in the background but more than the yellow grapefruit or like mayer lemon also a bit of peach and and has this like inorganic element to it. So the second wine. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's much more fresh and more green on the nose. And so I would say the first one had a medium intensity. That's almost, I would say, at least medium plus. Okay, that's how I get more of this green, like unripe kind of character, a green apple. Almost, re it's really on the greener side, and maybe some slightly exotic also. So I get this really, really grassy flavor actually, but more on the like green um, bean maybe. So it's a really like crispy, I would say. I haven't tasted yet, but that's my guess. And maybe some, but not really kiwi. It's not really on the exotic tropical side, but let's let's try. Okay, it starts already in the first moment when it hits your tongue. Wow, and it's um, yeah, it's more green and now now coming these kind of gooseberry aromas. Now are coming these really fresh aromas and I, I actually get a lot of basil now. 
and like fresh spices, you know, when you get into a garden, already it was in the smell, but also in the palate and um, like a lot of green, green notes and uh, I didn't get any oak or oxidation, it's like pure esters, so to say. So it's really, it doesn't really build up on your mouth, but it cuts through, you know, and the acidity stays. I don't, don't really get this mineralic, metallic aroma and um, it doesn't have too much complexity so it's more like an aperitif wine i would say the other one is more like a food wine and it builds up in your mouth it has more body more texture it just runs through your mouth you know mm. so i would say the second wine is for sure is the it's a sauvignon blanc redictive uh, from roque and the first wine was from gilvashir with a little bit of least contact and a little bit of oak so, yeah, let's see. Okay, yeah. So, I was right. Um, so maybe next time I will have to choose a, maybe a diff more difficult topic. But I think that's a very good example of how a Sauvignon Blanc could react to this kind of winemaking method and could maybe lead to the terroir and maybe show yeah, a more diverse face of Sauvignon Blanc. And in the next podcast, you will hear maybe the king of the Styrian Sauvignon Blanc, Armin Tement, and I urge you to, to connect and uh, listen to the podcast because he goes really deep into his winemaking philosophy and into his crew, so you can learn a lot about this.